Wolverine. Yo ho, yo ho, a mutant's life for me. Examination is back and we're so excited. Uh, this week's issue, Marauders number one by Jerry Duggan and Matteo Loli. I probably butchered that name, but we're too pumped to slow down the brakes. So Intrigue, Pirates, X-Men, Pirates, Wolverine. Did I say Pirates? We're so excited about this issue. I'm your host, Quentin, and I'm joined this week by Dane. Hello, guys. And Kelsey. <laughs> I realized Dude, I missed an opportunity what? there. <laughs> I know. You really did. Uh, I'm so excited about this issue. Tons of positive energy. Um, I'm anxious to jump into it, but let's get through the... Uh, the beginning parts, and let's hook up to Cerebro and kind of figure out what's going on in the world. Why? There's no Cerebro Marvel. on the ship. There That's can true. Be. Well, we can there put can one be. on there. There's no Cerebro on the high seas. <laughs> well, um, talking about what's going on in the world of Marvel this week, we have a new podcast coming out, of, or a series of podcasts from Marvel on Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, and Pandora. I'm not sure that, what that looks like, but it looks like it's going to be a mix of kind of like the Wolverine series, some scripted podcasts, as well as just like a traditional podcast similar to Examination with special guests and stuff. What do you guys think about this news? Are you going to subscribe to Sirius Satellite Radio? Uh, uh, No, because I won't subscribe to a competitor podcast. I I think we need to be talking to Sirius. They're going to need some content to fill up that radio time. And, you know, I know where I know where they can find an hour. Yeah. More pirate puns than they can handle. <laughs> More than they can shake a, no, a I, wooden leg stick at. It oh, looked like they had like a Star-Lord, Wolverine, Black Widow, Hawkeye, like separate podcasts that cross over well, into like a... As far as the something. Wolverine one is concerned, are they just going to move the Wolverine podcast over there? I don't know. Because I think it's it, Stitcher produced that other one. It, it does, and it, it has Richard Armitage is their Wolverine, and he is at least an actor. He has been in movies that are, you know, well received. So, so oh, go ahead. So, so I, I'm I'm wondering about that because I have listened to the first two seasons of that Wolverine podcast, and I I thoroughly enjoy it. I have to think if they're bringing the same guy over, it, it's going to be a continuation. Well, I don't know if they're bringing the same guy Oh, I thought you over. said they were. No, I have no idea. I haven't oh, really looked okay, into okay. what programming lineup they have. Yeah, I, so they, I think it looks like those are going to be their four scripted podcasts. Like, that's going to be, like you said, I think kind of like that Wolverine podcast, that it's going to be, uh, you know, more like a, a television show in you know, or like an old-timey radio show sort of thing. On old huh, time yeah. radio, yeah, they're going to shake some cookie trays to make thunder noises. But no, I mean, like, it, I think that's going to be descriptive programming, and then the rest of the stuff is going to be stuff like this, like what we're doing, uh, more you know, non-scripted analytics or talking about. Comics you think they're going to hire Kevin Smith? I mean, why not? I mean, that's a lot of content because XM Radio is going like twenty four seven, isn't it? Yeah, they yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. Is it a whole channel? And also, isn't it Pandora as well as yeah, getting this content? I, I'm wondering if they can produce enough content and if people will listen to enough content. Because there is a certain point of oversaturation that you'll, you'll reach. I mean, even now, I don't go to see every Marvel movie in theaters. Part of it is 
I have kids. Yeah, I was about to say. Too young to go, you know, they're too young to go watch them themselves for that period of time. Because, you know, in three years, yeah, I'm dragging them to every movie I, I want. But for now, I have to be. I have too much respect for society to, to I, make them well, no, no, your I children. Have, I have told my wife before that I am thoroughly now in the boat of paying it forward to every parent who brought their kid crying. So I just pay it forward by bringing my child to a movie to cry. I get the cycle. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, I, I, for me to enjoy it more, I don't want to bring them. So yeah. I, I have to be more selective. So that's, you know, I saw Spider-Man, uh, you know, I saw Avengers. Duh. Um, I did not see Captain Marvel. Still haven't seen Captain Marvel. Heard it's great. Want to see it. Yeah. Then haven't bothered to rent it yet, but same way with kids. Just wait for Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, I will be getting Disney Plus. No, uh, I will be. I will be canceling my ESPN Plus and my Hulu so I can bundle all three for the low, low <laughs> price of like twelve or fourteen ninety nine a month. It's a good deal. It's a great deal. Nope. I was just saying, I, I'm the same way say. with it. I used to see every movie. Like, I'm sure if I look at them chronologically, there's a line where like I saw all of them opening night. And then you can you you find out when your child yeah and then the child was born and that's the line kid born right there where exactly where I didn't go see them all certainly not as soon as they come out most of them never now like I just don't see movies now uh, yeah in theater I just wait until they come out or we rent them streaming on something it's got to be it's got to be pretty like I plan to see this movie yeah yeah and and a parent comes into town to watch the kid i remember yeah infinity or infinity war it literally got to the point where i was like jonesing so hard i waited until my wife and child went to sleep one night and i like kind of snuck out to go see it like i waited in the window i have yet yet to pull that move yeah i have yet to pull that. i went to go to like an 11 o'clock showing and then i realized i was super old because i was sitting in the theaters like yawning during the previews i'm like "Uh uh-oh i i work with a guy and a couple weeks ago, it was like Thursday morning and we're talking or Friday morning. He goes, yeah, I left my house at like 10 last night and I went and saw Joker <laughs> and he's got a wife and he's got two kids. He's like, yeah, I just, I couldn't sleep and I wanted to treat myself. So I snuck out. That's of the, the only way you get Joker. to go to the theaters as a parent. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely changes the way you see things and, and going home and home theaters pretty much the way to go once you have kids. Have you guys checked out a, uh, Watchmen, speaking of things that are yes. on TV at yep. home. I haven't. Yes, seen I have. I, I have. I checked it out. I thought it was pretty cool. I liked it. It hasn't gotten the best reviews, I don't think, but I think that's also due to the guy who is the showrunner on it. He's the same one who did Lost, and he did The Leftovers, and he takes a while to get rolling. There's a lot of confusion. I liked all the tie-ins to the old, the old comic, though. You know, the I after was... effects and certain behaviors of it and things like that. I, I think tonally it feels like the comics, yeah. but unlike the Snyder version, it's not an adaptation. It's like no. inspired by, it. and no. I kind of dig that it has the right tone, but it's its own thing. Well, it, in unlike the Snyder version, the the they stick with a comic ending as opposed to the movie ending. Which blaspheming blaspheming aside, I did think the movie ending was very good, but yeah. Now, um, definitely, that's a good transition into the next topic we had, which the other piece of news, uh, television studio for Marvel. Marvel Television's about ready to go through some big changes. Yeah. Feige kind of takes that big leadership position. I'm assuming there'll be even more fallout with different people like Ike and stuff. But 
Uh, Jeff Loeb seems to be the first one to kind of get forced out at, with this restructure. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, he's had a lot of history on television. He worked on Heroes a long time ago, and he's been there pretty much post-MCU for everything that Marvel's done TV-wise. Uh, what do you think of his legacy? Uh, what did he do that you enjoyed the most? Oh, what did Jeff Loeb do? Yeah, under his tenure, any any shows? Do you, do you think Marvel gets an A, B, C in the television front? Where do under you rate his tenure, I, I really liked what they did with TV, specifically on the Netflix front. Um, even the maligned Iron Fist, I thought... If it had been the first one released, people would have raved more about it, but it followed Daredevil and Jessica Jones. You know, it, it, it followed real heavy hitters. I, you know, Punisher was really good. Um, I liked Luke Cage. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was cool. I know not a lot of people were as thrilled with that one, but I enjoyed it. I think you're right. It um, does seem like they started super, super hot, and then some of the stuff faded towards the end, which, like like you said, I, I'm kind of yeah. with you. I don't think Iron Fist was great, but I don't think it was as bad as people were making it out to be. It's just No, that, like, I just think it wasn't. Yeah, you compare it to for season one of Jessica Jones, and yeah, it doesn't look as good. But but nothing really looks as good. Season one, Jessica oh, Jones. Was... Jessica Jones season two doesn't look good next right. to season one. And that's if to answer the question, that's I think the pinnacle of Marvel TV. It was Jessica Jones. Yeah, I, you know, and I still really like the Daredevil stuff. It does feel more comic book yeah, than the Daredevil that's one. True. Um and my my wife personally, she really enjoys the Punisher ones. She thought she thinks those are the best ones. She really enjoys that. They're real good. Yeah, and they're they're intense. I think my wife would agree too, but that's she's coming from a strong Walking Dead background. Walking yeah. Dead background. But I mean, but it is good. Yeah. Um I I think Jessica Jones takes the cake. Uh Daredevil awesome. when Daredevil's on, it's so good. Yes. So good. Um I not everybody was down with it. I think Agents of Shield had its high points and low points, yeah, and, and it had, had some pretty good parts. Points. I fell off from watching it. Um. So, and by the way, your we your listener question is what was what are the best Marvel TV shows made so far? So I'm wondering why we haven't mentioned the X Men animated series. Well, because we haven't got to the listener question yet. We're more responding to the news. Oh, but good, good transition, mind, Kelsey. Moving us forward. Good transition. Transition forward. <laughs> Well, I do want to say Jeff Loeb, um, he had his he's been in the comics. He's been in the mo- the TV studio. And I'm not sure if this is the end of him with Marvel. No. He has had a true career of highs no. and lows. He wrote Spider-Man Blue, Captain America White, Daredevil Yellow, a lot of like treasured comics. He also did Ultimatum. <laughs> he gave us those Netflix shows. He also gave us uh, the Inhumans TV well, show. Also, remember, he's a bit of a mer- most big time comic book writers are, are mercenary. I mean, Jeff Loeb also did hush, you know, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's done stuff for other groups. So sometimes they, they just work through an arc that they like and they eventually their contract runs out. They throw it out to see what they can do for other people, you know, or, or other characters that might interest them more. I don't yeah. know if that's good. I want to say I've never heard anybody say a, a bad word about the person. And he's been considered a really um, man of integrity. So I do wish him the best. I hope this wasn't a force out. And I hope he is able to find something uh, to spend his time doing. I agree. 
So um, that transition that we had into what is our favorite Marvel television property, kind of reflecting off that news, uh, TV shows and all of history. I feel like the question the top should have been guys? your favorite other than the 90s animated series. Because I feel like we, yeah. we referenced that show at least once an episode. And as someone who has watched it again recently, it still holds up. Yeah, I I remember liking the Spider-Man animated series That's a true. lot when I was a kid. Uh, that one still holds up too. That one's I mean, as far as following a, it it, it follows a, a weekly um, storyline. You know, it has multiple parters. You know, they they get into lots and of stuff some crossover it, um, between the two shows. Yeah, that's what I was gonna they say. The crossovers in that one are big. It, the Spider-Man show, in some ways, feels like a sequel to the X-Men without being a sequel. I mean, you know I mean? I think it, Marvel's Spider-Man and not Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. Right, right, right. Marvel's the Spider-Man. 80s the show same, like, with also with Sunfire or Starfire Iceman. and Iceman as his Iceman. roommates in college. Yeah, why not? Because they also do have a crossover. But you know what I mean? Like, in a lot of ways, the Marvels was that on, like, Fox Kids? That No doubt. Like, that Fox one felt, Saturday mornings. Yeah, that that felt like a, like, a, in a lot of ways, the successor to the X-Men. Like, it was a sequel without being yeah. a sequel. Yeah. yeah. Although, I will say about the 90s X-Men show, I remember when I was a kid one time, I got grounded. And my punishment was I didn't get to watch the X-Men that week. Oh, and God. I remember Spike. part or two. I remember spitefully, t- it was Apocalypse. I remember spitefully telling my father, fine, I'll just use my action figures and make my own episode. And my dad's like, that sounds like a good idea. And like <laughs> 10 minutes after he left the room, I was like, I don't have an Apocalypse figure. I can't do that. And so I got up early and watched it anyways on Saturday. I hope you're not listening, Dad. <laughs> Cheater. You really showed him. I, I circumvented that punishment. I think he had but the like, moral victory. As a child, that was literally my problem. I was like, I'll make my own episode. My dad was like, great, be creative. And I'm like, I don't have an apocalypse figure. I can't be, can't be yeah. that creative. Heaven how, forbid how? you get a plastic spoon and melt it a little look like him. Just throw that uh, in the microwave. You know, speaking of creativity, <laughs> my kid w- had took a Batman figure because it has a cape. It is now Prowler from Spider-Man. Ooh. Yes. That's pretty good. Forget yeah, that because of Into the Spider-Verse, Prowler gets like, you know, yeah. a household know. name status. I was about to I was about to compliment your kid on digging real deep into the Spider-Man character pool, and then I'm like, oh wait, he was at least a, a relatively prominent part of a movie. Oh yeah, yeah. and he is balls deep in that movie. And I say <laughs> that with all enthusiasm. Okay, we, we also yeah. got the underrated okay. Silver Surfer cartoon was pretty good in the nineties. Oh about that one. I, in Fantastic Four and Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, that, that Iron Man theme. That yeah, was like getting the armor put on. I don't remember anything on the show except for that there was a Spider Woman two with like the Venom costume, and I remember being a kid and being like, "Is she wearing Venom?" <laughs> <laughs> the that, other, that was I, cool. I feel like I feel like we're on the run of cartoons here, but and again, you know, it's an excellent podcast. As much as as great as the '90s series is. X Men Evolution and Wolverine and the X Men are both fantastic shows. They yeah. are. They yes. they deserve their due because we people don't talk about them enough. I think Wolverine and the X Men was a victim, kind of like the comics of like that rights kind of thing. I mean, he's been yeah. In that, so you're like oh, okay. 
that that one, the Wolverine and the X-Men is kind of maybe more of a traditional X-Men, but on a very interesting and like kind of unique story sort of thing. And then evolution just has the, the charm of making them all high school students and following yeah. teenage X-Men yeah, and introduce X-23. So it like has a real place in the history yep. of the comics. So, all right, that pretty much does it. For this week's uh, listener question, if you want to get in contact with us, we would love that. You can always email us at q.examination at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Before we get into the story this week, in times of danger and confusion, Uatu the Watcher appears to warn us of oncoming threats. In this segment, we ask our local Watcher to scour Marvel history and reveal the origins of a new and confusing character, location, or thing brought up in this week's story. And this week, oh, Captain, my Captain, we discuss Kitty Pride. Uh, I believe it's Kate Pride now. Thank you. You beat me to it. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Kitty Pride is one of those characters that, for some reason, I find myself, I don't forget about her, but I overlook her too much. And then I go back and I look at things she's been in, comics she's been in and stuff she's done and i keep telling myself this is really a great character i mean as far as a character that has been built up over time i mean a true character arc almost um like she's one of those ones that they don't they don't completely change her behavior um her it's it's almost as if her behavior matures over time and she seems the most normal as an individual. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'd say her and Dick Grayson are two of the most evolved characters that if you look at them now, they're completely different from what they used to be. But you can see what they were in what they are. I think you're right that she's just, she's normal. Like she's in a lot of ways, she's the foil to all the weird stuff that goes on. You like the space stuff. And it's like, Pride's still just a, a girl from Chicago that kind of got thrown into this superhero world. And in some ways, yeah. she still is that. And she's from she's from 1980. I mean, the character's been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And she's also been in a lot of, of big, tight, you know, um, um, Days of Future Past, for, you know, movie aside, she was the main person in the comic. I mean, she was she was the the big deal. A um, astonishing X Men was really more about her than any anyone else. And yeah, it, it's and she's had many series with like Wolverine and things like. And I think that's where she got the Shadow Cat, I you know name. Um, and then, oh, I I've lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> but in the amount of like teams, she okay okay X Men Excalibur Shield. She, I didn't even realize this. Guardians of the Galaxy, she became Star-Lord, and I didn't realize she was engaged to the original Star-Lord? Right. Yeah. Her fiancé, yeah. I believe uh, Jonathan Hicker referred to those as the dark times. <laughs> okay. Times was the like forgotten times. I don't recall this ever happening, so... Um, I wish I could. But anyway, and she's from Deerfield, Illinois, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, sorry it, to our listeners in Deerfield. Her, power, her powers are not crazy 
overpowering, I guess. They 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 seem to use them in just a really impressive way. Like when she's being written well in action scenes, it is really cool to see her power translate into action. Yeah, because it's not a traditional combat power. Like, you know, Cyclops can shoot lasers out of his eyes and stuff, and you have to be a little more creative in those combat scenes to use her well. Yeah. But good writers and, can do it. And they do. Yep. Uh, and, and you'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in, in a, if I'm going to tell anyone to watch, you know, read anything specific, it, w- it would probably be the um, uh, Days of Future Past arc. Just, just to see her kind of come into her own... In, or day, day, yeah, Days of Future Past. I I thought that was just a really good one showcasing her, and that one is still quite old. Yeah, I really enjoyed her characterization. Our newest issue. I like some of the setup that they have for her potentially being a foil to what's going on over in Kakoa without being so overt about it. Um, I think she's got a lot of a future ahead of her that I can't wait to read. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm really after reading this issue and looking back on her, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more excited for her as a character now than I've ever been. I, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, she's led a team before and she's been a teacher before, but you know, as she's grown more and more, I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm on team K and it ain't for Krakoa. So. I, I do have, by the way, I have a little aside here. Um, physics professor James Cacalios has attempted to use quantum mechanics to explain Kitty Pride's phasing power. He described it as an ability to control her own macroscopic quantum wave function, increasing her tunneling probability to near 100% at will. Save that for the quantum physics podcast. Well, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> a little aside here. There's a little diagram that goes with what I so just read. Too. Would we go with standard robot array of powers? <laughs> Wait, did you well, say there's no, a diagram? Are you adding memos to this? Audio memos? Don't. I wish I could put dare. a picture on here for you. I, I should probably send this to you guys. <laughs> you could tweet this. <laughs> well, as always, thanks for that update on Kitty Pride. I uh, can't wait to see what she accomplishes throughout this series. Dane. Oh, oh, oh. Also, sorry. One more. I earlier and and, and this this links back to what I said earlier, which was uh, Spider Man's Amazing Friends. She also appears in that as Sprite in the uh, crossover between it. Good old Spider-Man crossovers. And his amazing friends. Don't forget his amazing friends. And we we can't skip Pride of the X-Men for what she's the namesake. Oh, man. Don't get me started. Also a good one. I I intentionally didn't bring that up because I knew I'd hang on to it for like an hour. (laughs) Well, Dane, there's no time for that. Quick, set sails and hold fast as we sail down the Gray Malkin Lane and recap this week's spectacular issue, Marauders, number one. All right, spoilers ahead. As always, we set uh, the scene for this inaugural issue with Storm and Nightcrawler escorting a group of mutants, including our favorite Catherine Kitty Pride, through a Krakoa gate for the first time. But... Kitty can't get through, and she busts her nose on the portal like it's a brick wall, leading to the now iconic cover art look. We move on to Kitty having to sail a boat to Krakoa because she can't use the gate. She meets Iceman on the island, and it's revealed that she was also bringing supplies, and because you can't see this, there was air quotes there, 
to the island for Logan, including uh, beer, barbecue, sandwiches, etc. Kitty then has a psychic meeting with Emma about an offer Emma has made her. Emma wants Kitty to captain the ship that distributes their Krakoan drugs to other countries. Emma reveals the enormous boat she's commissioned for her, complete with a shiny new Gatling gun mounted on the front. Emma sweetens the pot for any good hero, bringing up that the job isn't just about shipping, but also liberating mutants from other countries and locations that, for whatever number of reasons, mutants just can't get to Krakoa. Meanwhile, we have a side story, Bishops in Taipei, Taiwan, investigating a woman causing a stir by claiming her husband was abducted by one of the Krakoa gates. Bishop confronts the woman with the fact that her husband never came through any of their Krakoa gates, but the woman denies this with some anti-mutant sentiment, and Bishop reports in, but otherwise lets things lie for the time being, not wanting to stir the pot any further. Iceman discovers the Russians with power-dampening armor, keeping mutants from Krakoa. Bobby returns to Krakoa after that to recruit Kitty and Storm to go to Russia by boat to help those mutants there. And while traveling, they learn that the original Australian Pyro has been resurrected and is sleeping on the boat, so (laughs) I guess he's coming too. Why not at this point, right? Good Uh, guy to have if you got a shrimp to throw on the barbie. (laughs) God, we have so many good puns. They arrive in Russia, and Kitty takes out some of her frustrations on some Ruski militants with a couple of pages of just awesome action panels uh, before Kitty gives a message to the rest of the world. If you're a mutant and you can't get to Krakoa, the Marauders are going to come pick you up. And Kitty, or Kate, as she now prefers, officially takes the job from Emma, but not before enlisting Storm as her second mate aboard the ship. This week's memos include... Kate's Message in a Bottle Diary, Logan's Shopping List, and a continuation of the Bar Sinister Red Diamond Gossip column. Always a pleasure reading those Red Diamond Gossip columns, so we'll jump into that in a little bit. But first, I feel like kind of one of the most uh, important parts of the issue may be in the opening pages, why can't Kitty go in the Krakoa? What'd you guys think? Well, I feel like they, they're also saying others can't, too. That there's something up with that. That's a, did, did you? Uh, I, I don't know why I got the feeling. I'll have there to was a line it about it, because I had the original thought, too, and I went back. I think it was more what they were saying is that others can't get through. Like, you know, governments are keeping them from going. Someone's pulling them Right. Back. I, don't, I don't think it yeah. was a pull, pulling a rush. Right. There was political can, or social she barriers. Can physically not pass. Right. Okay. So... Are you guys ready to just jump into it? Because I have a big theory about this. Let's you guys? Yep. Go, yeah, if you've got a theory, hit it. I I think Professor X is controlling Krakoa and not allowing Kitty through. Do you think that he sees her? You've discussed this before. I feel like this is like your third your third um, conspiracy that Xavier's here's, keeping wild cards away. But here's, I, here's, here's my issue with that, though. He can mind control so many people. Why does he not do it? it now, is it because she has not... Has she not died yet? Not that I know of. I don't she know. had to be brought back, correct? I don't believe so. I don't know of any time she's had to be brought back. Yeah. Well, I think she has one thing that Xavier doesn't like, though. And that's the fact that he can she can phase anywhere in Krakoa she wants, including his secret room which has Moira McTaggart in it. 
he's purposely trying to make it difficult for her to be on the island. I think he's trying to keep Moira as close to the chest as he can. And part of that involves not having someone who can snoop around anywhere, anytime they want within the, the base. Yeah, I, I don't know. You have so many high-powered into it. You have Nightcrawler in there. Nightcrawler can snoop. Yeah, Nightcrawler. Hey, line the line Nightcrawler's vision, never been there. He's never seen it, so he can't go without getting yeah, caught in the wall. You gotta have, you, Come on, you took like, the weakest mutant power. Be there. There's got to be other mutants there who could. There does, but the question is not just are there other mutants. It's are there other mutants who are as likable and snoop? key to stories and that people want to read about. You know, <laughs> well, I also think Kitty. Uh, I think she's also kind of a wild card. Has a streak of kind of doing what she wants. I I think Kitty has some potential to be a really important character, and I could not be more excited about what they did with her this. Yeah, year. I think yeah. from just an overall viewpoint, I just want to get this out there right now. I don't think I'm going to say anything bad about this issue in this podcast. I loved this comic. This is one of my favorite comics I've read in a very long time. Uh, and to the point where like, I will, I will say that I had a terrible day at work today. Like it was a bad day. And normally I read the comic over like a lunch break. I thought about not reading it because I didn't want like a bad day to taint my impression of it. And so I thought about like waiting until afterwards to read it, but I did. And I'm so glad that I did. Cause it did the reverse. Like it almost kind of made my day better having read this. Cause it was such a good comic. It was yeah, it felt more X-Men you. than the other X-Men stuff that's been out. Yes. There's, you know what I there's, mean? It's an X-Men story. It's a new story. Like this is unique. Like the pirate ship sort of theme. They laid the framework for a couple of ongoing stories and mysteries. Like I like the ongoing thread of them going out to, to help mutant refugees. I love that. They've already set up two mysteries. Why can't Kitty get through the gate? What's going on in Taiwan? Like we've got stuff that I already want to know the answers to. And this is the first book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll say this, like X-Men as good as it was felt like a continuation of kind of like that house of X, Don of X Hickman's like just giving you some background information. This felt like a narrative. This felt like a character who was responding to what was happening, um, challenging what what's going on. Um, and some immediate growth for a character that got put in a really cool place. Yeah, it. Yeah, I. I can't. It's be more neat excited. to see her coming off of the X Men Gold team, and you know the relationship splinter with Colossus, and seeing it's still the same Kitty, but it's a new Kate. You know what I mean? Like I love the continuation and the growth of that relationship between her and Emma. Like, cause that's always been like a, a sort of a secondary thing, but you know, just the way that her and Emma interact and I love it. And I love the way it shows up in this issue. Cause like it, I, when I read it and look at it, I think Emma admires Kate in a lot of ways in ways that like she knows she can never be. Cause I think Emma's got, yeah. Emma's mm-hmm. gotten to the point she knows who she is and she She's they, she accepts they know that. who each other right and she ex- Emma accepts because I was thinking about what it is it's not that Emma sees herself in Kate I think it's that Emma sees all the great things she just can't be in her you know what I mean and it's like Emma knows who she is she's made peace with that but it doesn't mean that she can't be envious of the great traits that Kate also has and so I think she respects that about her but you know she's still 
has some conniving, you know, uh, sort of, I don't know, attitude to her, Emma, but I think she respects her a lot. And I love that dynamic of where they, where they go. And I love seeing it kind of grow in this. Yeah. Where they come from, where do they go? At <laughs> first I was really annoyed to, in the promo art of like pirate kitty pride. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be really annoying. But those first two pages separating her from the pack, making her an isolationist. She's the new Wolverine. She's the odd man out. She's mm-hmm. the one they need, but not the one that, that belongs. Yeah. It's, it's great in attitude and in appearance, like the broken nose thing. I liked it when we've got the comic art, but it felt like kind of weird. Like why? And then they just put it in the first page and it's a little goofy, but it sets up a great mystery. And it just, it, we got that answer like the you know we've had this cover for weeks and we got it right out the gate about how this I'm happened like, there you go that's why it's busted yeah and i just i love it that they answered a stupid little question so fast in such a clever fun way and then set up so many other questions what are you thinking kelsey uh those first few panels her going to krakoa um we kind of get a more human look at the people of krakoa what you think yeah. of like the rules and and the smuggling with Logan's uh, yeah, I, his I, list? I enjoyed that they they kind of bring up that there's some you know rules on what you can have there or something. What the 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 island grows for you? What food you can you know? Uh, Iceman eating potato chips and saying, "Yeah, these are like a delicacy here." <laughs> having potato chips when you know you're like here, it's almost frowned upon to have potato chips at times. Like you're a fatty. <laughs> Um, no potato chips in mutant utopia yeah and and it is it is one of those things though where it's like what kind of control does uh you know krakoa and professor x have over the place but you know also though the, the fact that they are a brand new island nation they don't have industry like that they would technically have to ship in all furnished goods i mean for the most part what krakoa can't make They've got to bring in. If Krakoa can't make liquor, guess what? They got to bring it in. You know, I mean, if if they don't make rendezvous ribs, they got to bring them in. A spectacular rib joint. Okay. Found in Memphis. Okay, I think it's worth mentioning. Okay, hold on. It's worth mentioning. Dane, no, mention mention your your point. I, mention this, this came up before, with why you're this came ridiculous. up before we started this podcast. Is that the one thing I maybe didn't like about? the the issue was wolverine's list number one canadian whiskey i want you to know is the whiskey i my dad keeps canadian whiskey in the house and i made fun of him because i told him this is what i would give to a girl if they tried whiskey and said that's too harsh or too rough because like canadian whiskey is i it's just not good i don't think it's whiskey and i don't believe that wolverine would stick by that and number two rendezvous ribs are okay I think rendezvous in general is more of a, a the touristy barbecue location to go to in Memphis. They're not bad, but they're also just so-so. Yeah, and here's my counter. One... We turn this in the Ribs podcast. Wolverine is Canadian, so that's why he drinks Canadian whiskey. He, he would have found Two, something better. He's been around a while. He's traveled. Here, here's my... Well, I mean, he's been to Japan. He should have Hashiku, right? Isn't oh, that Hashiko? Uh, the Hakushu. Oh, my God. That's so good. Hakushu. Yeah. Anyways. Here's my story for Rendezvous. 
Yes, it's a tourist destination. The ribs are very good. And here's why I give them my A+. I went there on a honeymoon. My only honeymoon. I shouldn't say A. <laughs> um, Your wife <laughs> listens to this podcast. That's going to be a problem. No, 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 no. She downloads it. I don't know how much listening <laughs> Gotta get them stats up. Anyways, we went there at like, oh, maybe 12 or 1 o'clock or something like that. And p.m. around lunchtime, we go there. We walk in and they're like, well, we don't um, actually serve any lunch. We're not open. I'm like, oh, man, that's stinks. He goes, well, you know what? If you guys want ribs, we, we got ribs. And I'm like, well, I want ribs. I'm like, well, we'll sit you down anyway. So come on in. So they, they lit us in, and they were even nice enough. Said, well, you know, do, do, do you want anything else? My wife said, well, you know, I'd like the salad. I'm like, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll make that up for you, too. We'll do that. So, you know, as far as good service, willing to accommodate the customer, that was great. And I really did enjoy the ribs. And sec- second, you know, <laughs> next point, what is your number one? Uh, well, you know what my number one is for all barbecues. I'd go to Arthur Bryant's in Kansas City. Right, it's Arthur Bryant's. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it, this is more of like <laughs> this has been quite the tangent, my friends. Vinegar based rib. It was just it which you know, more of a tang. It was just that, a, that is, a bold choice to include a specific restaurant in that, and I think it's because Rendezvous is relatively famous, so people will know about it. But I just got yeah, think, but Arthur Bryant is also pretty famous. I gotta think Wolverine would have better taste than that. That's all I'm saying. But I do appreciate uh, the customer uh, service in the story. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, Shout out to Rendezvous. On. It is pretty good barbecue. It's very good barbecue. You guys keep it up. <laughs> We're gonna get that sponsorship any day now. Pay me in ribs. <laughs> oh man. Um we get a lot of a lot of great moments uh, with them being lifelike and that kind of natural X-Men vibe where they're a, a real family. Um, I loved uh, Bobby Drake's kind of realization that they have a power dampener, which seems a little OP. He took out an Omega level mutant very just fast. Put it, just put him in his underwear, <laughs> but, man. And a flip flop. <laughs> it happened several times this <laughs> issue, which eating all those potato chips, I guess he like, you know, sh- is always cold, so maybe he works off those calories that way. That is I don't, something I don't about know. the. I laughed like the first time that it put him in his underwear. I don't know. It was just goofy and funny, and it fit the story. Like it balanced humor and like the drama really yeah. well. But then when it happened again the second time, I just laughed even harder because it's just like he just walked into it again and wrapped up in his underwear <laughs> again. No. It's, it's almost like. It's almost like he um, a real Michael Scott moment where he's like, no, don't hit me with the naked ray <laughs> but, again. But the thing is, there's no X-Men that that would work for, I think, other than Bobby Drake. Like, it just, that makes complete sense to me that he's just like, oh, I got zapped with the underwear gun. Sorry, guys, I can't use my Omega level powers to bail us out. I, I lost my powers and also my clothes and... This is embarrassing for me that I'm half naked in front of all these people. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, also shame on you. <laughs> it, it was just, it was perfect. <laughs> it couldn't have been a character more right for that situation. Yeah, so we really get to see Kitty Pride 
kind of resting on her previous relationship with the people and maybe getting a little pity, it seems, at first that she's the outsider and can't go to the island like everybody else can. And then I like that she pulls the people in and and makes this conscious choice for herself. Like, this is my lot. I don't want to go. I'm just going to do my own thing. And if it won't take me, I'm going to do me. I like that she's not concerned about, like, when they're trying to set her up a place there. And she's kind of like, eh, I don't even know if I want to place here I, I don't you know it's like eh, i'm not that interested and it, we really should bring up Lockheed too as he's part of the character as well and his budding relationship with pyro yes that was i thought that was fantastic you're right though it seems like she was almost relieved to find out that she didn't have a house there that they hadn't set this up and just kind of like you know set her destiny in motion already that she was like hey i've got an opportunity to take advantage of this and to to do my own thing and by the end of the issue she's like maybe that's sailing the seas and doing this and yeah just wander but yeah the the pyro thing that was because pyro seems like kind of almost the most tacked on addition to this team but they made sure to give him such a cool moment you know what i mean that it was like i was going to steal this boat and leave but i fell asleep and right like that part's almost dumb again goofy enough to be to balance out and everything but letting him have the dragon fire was just such a cool thing. Now, he was the first mutant brought back, and he mentions being a guinea pig. Does he mean that as a guinea pig to be brought back, or were they doing other stuff? I'm I'm guessing it's just he's the first brought back there before he is the guinea pig. But Yeah, but it does leave you know, open the possibility, something? you know, especially when we know we've already been, you know, teased with the fact that Xavier has made changes... Yes. Yeah, now, and also, for those boring nights on the open seas, the gothic tales Yes, that uh, Pyro could... He, he is an author. ...spin for them. Yes. <laughs> sick sick reference, guys. I, I like... Uh, Kitty brings that whole, like, suspicion element to it. I like her. I like Pyro kind of adding a little intrigue to the larger narrative of, like, resurrection, reminding us of that. This is very much its own story, very much works in its own way. We've got the micro setup of the Bishop plot line that's yep. going to probably intersect with what we've got going on in this comic. Um, if this is the future of this post House of X, you know, the Don of X comics and the way that these like non-core X-Men yep. series are going to be, I think this is where I I'm don't know at. if it's the way all the series are going to go, but. I I can't imagine anything getting its hooks in me harder than Marauders. I just want to read this every week, and I just want to do a podcast about yeah. Marauders for change. We're a pirate podcast now. Like yep. everything Ranged. about this was so good. I even enjoyed the memos. Like the when yeah. I got into the first memo, the first thing I thought was, "Oh man!" But as I started to read it, it was just it's just such a great like start to finish explanation of Kitty's situation. And I I have no reason to like it more than the other memos. Like it does all the other things I don't like about just like, you know, straight text and not comics. But, and so I get that it's hypocritical, but I even love the memos. This comic makes me love memos. Moving right along. um, We get some cool kitty action scenes that I really dug. All those were cool. I think every moment of it um, made her seem like a premier superhero, made her seem like she's worth following. Um, and then as you guys mentioned, Pyro gets his moment and his kind of kicks and they rescue people, declare themselves marauders. Uh, 
any final closing thoughts on you know just the story itself uh and the the lineup of characters that we have here i i think we've said it all i'm ready for the next one um uh hats off to to the artist as well um mm-hmm. definitely I, have to admit I, that i'm just gonna stop talking about it now at this point because there, there's no more good stuff I can well so say. i was just gonna bring up one thing based off of what quentin said that the that kind of fighting action scene that's a long action scene it's a couple of pages we get to see katie kind of taking out the you know some frustrations that it's well done because you know it's the creative uses of her power in these fights including a pretty savage facing a gun into those two guys legs two guys legs yeah <laughs> Oh, I assume these and are then, non-lethal yeah, rounds. Shoot oh, that sucks for you. But the thing that I got out of it that I I don't know if it was intended or if they're just using Russians as the traditional bad guys. But the, I kind of thought that maybe there was some undertones of the frustrations and that it was, you know, Russia, given where she's coming from with, you know, the Colossus relationship and everything, that it's just like getting to kind of take out the frustrations, not just on bad guys, but also you know, kind of a, a relationship that's recently gone sour. Um, as somebody who was not a huge fan of X-Men gold and, uh, I, I didn't pick up on anything like that, but I mean, that's, what's great about these comics and the continuity is you can get layers if you want, but I, I felt like we got a classic yeah. Kitty pride who felt like the Kitty pride that I've read for years. So yeah, I, I don't, don't It I don't may know. not have been intended at all. And even if it wasn't, it doesn't matter. Cause that scene was, just so good anyway like again like everything we read in this comic yeah i just remember her from astonishing x-men where she was the goody goody school teacher made some sacrifices comes back and continues to get crapped on and she's just done with it and i i kind of enjoyed her her independent streak as a result of playing the good guy for so long gets to be her own person now and that person is a pirate captain (laughs) all right well that wraps up this issue um next week we will oh i i feel like we're a miss anybody got anything from the new red diamond teasers by the way i thought most of them felt like they were this issue specific the one that i thought that was kind of interesting was the thing about like not the first pick or even the second and it came up in the story that uh, Emma asked Storm before Kitty to do this job. Oh, but that that one sort of alluded to the fact that maybe there was a second person that was asked yes. that didn't take the job. And I just I wonder if that'll come up or if this is just one of those things to get people talking. Yeah. Oh, I imagine it's got to be some sort of play. Um, but this is Bar Sinister. There's no telling what we can trust. <laughs> was there anything oh. you guys took away from any of those? Uh, can I mention, speaking of Sinister? Yeah. Um, somebody has a theory that part of the reason why Professor X never takes his helmet off is because he has one of the Sinister Red Diamonds on. Hmm. His forehead. Because remember, Indicate. Sinister got the cloning started way earlier as a result of what they did. And some people said that maybe he, um, that Sinister is the larger bad guy and everything. And when they accelerated hmm. the timeline it puts Sinister in a position of power. See, I just can't keep wondering if we keep looking too far into the helmet. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like we went through all the hawks pox and then we were like, all right, it's just a red herring. He's just the helmet guy now. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I think with that last issue of um, 
was it powers of 10 was the last one or do was the last one a yeah powers of 10 number six i i think they kind of explained it that it it, it is xavier and he just changed his mind you know what that his dream is just different now um and, and, and that we're, we're changing we're reaching, his mind. We're reaching too much to say that he's a completely different person. No, it's like he's it's still him. It's just he changed his mind. You know, his opinion changed. Sorry. What happens say, when the greatest telepath changes their mind? Literally, I, I was about <laughs> to say I was going to say changing his mind is a very different sentence when we're discussing Xavier as opposed to anybody else. Yeah. All right. That wraps up for this week. Um, are you guys worthy of joining this mighty marauding crew of mutants? Find out if you can make the cut or if you'll just be blood in the water by surviving this week's Danger Room Marvel 20 Questions. you guys are ready. Oh, I am as well. Is it a character? Yes. Is it a mutant? No. Is it a villain? Uh, yes. Is it a man? Yes. Hmm. So a male, non-mutant villain character are their powers elemental in nature no did, i thought you said there did you say they were mutant no no it's a non-mutant it's a non-mutant but their powers are oh you, so you don't know are you saying it could be a meta i guess yeah i'm just assuming it could be some kind of a meta you asked I if they were elemental and i said no yeah right but if they had powers elemental in nature he said no. um they're a villain Yeah, I guess I probably should have asked if they had powers. <laughs> yeah. Are, are they a meta? Uh, no. Okay. I'll be honest. I was looking at a panel and it had Iceman and Pyro in it. And that's what got me thinking. Are they human? Yes. Are they a genius or above level intellect? Yes. Are they primarily an X-Men villain? No. Do they use some type of power armor? Yes, that's 10 questions that I've got so far. So they do use a power armor. Are we sure this isn't just like Lex Luthor? No. Did we? We're not up? sure, technically. <laughs> I mean, it's Marvel. So, Kelsey, you asked the power armor. Did you have a get? Or like, are you working towards the direction? Uh, Doctor Doom or Kang are options. Um, 
Crimson Dynamo is also an option. Um, Genius level intellect. So I mean, remember, I always try and think about how it's connected to this comic too, because normally there's something, right? Yeah. Um, Sometimes characters doesn't always do that. They're non-meta. Non X Men villain power armor. Do they know magic? No. Are they? Have they ever been a villain as a universal threat, like something that uh, multiple teams have had to come together to face? Um. Not to my knowledge. Okay. Okay, so that's gonna rule out Kang. Yeah. Are they Russian? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Do you know where I'm going? Are you not going Crimson Dynamo? I'm also thinking about Omega Red. I guess he he's a bad armor. Those cables just in him? Yeah, they're in his body. He's Man, technically like an him. undead, I think. That he's also a meta. He's got superhuman strength and he sucks the life out of things. I guess it's true. I don't read a lot of and he is probably primarily an X Men villain, isn't he? You think it's the Crimson Dynamo? Yeah, why not? Okay, what's your question? Um, is he primarily an Iron Man villain? Yes. Okay. By the way, Dane, Crimson Dynamo is mainly an Iron Man villain. Is his real name Anton Vanko? No. Whoa! <laughs> Uh, Whiplash, doesn't he use... Does Whiplash have... But Whiplash isn't... It isn't actually... Isn't actually what? Well, he's not actually um, Russian, is he? Oh, I don't know. What is he? I, I don't know. But he technically does have. Oh, there's multiple ones. Multiple whiplashes. whiplashes. Oh, it has also been Anton Vanko, actually. <laughs> so it's not that. It's not that whiplash. It's at least not that one. Hmm. He's Russian. Yes, the yep. person is Russian. I hope somebody at home is just yelling at us that we know it's a Russian villain with power armor. Hmm. Hmm. It's an Iron Man villain. No. I okay. I gotta backtrack. I thought when you said Anton Vanko, I th- I think you guys are on the right track. I was thinking of the Whiplash one, and uh, I had just read about Whiplash, so I can't say that his name is not Anton Vanko. <laughs> oh, okay. 
that that's a pretty big difference. That, so we that, can't confirm that his name is not Anton Vanko. Does he have a notable alias of Ivan Vanko? No, he's he's the one not really Ivan Vanko. He's not Ivan Vanko. No. Where are we going here? What's an Ivan Vanko versus an Anton? It's Vanko? the it's another name for Crimson Dynamo's guy. Oh, okay. So are we down to whether it's Crimson Dynamo or whether it's Whiplash? Yeah. Is that pretty okay. much? I have they ever been portrayed in a movie by Mickey Rourke? No. Okay. So we I don't think know it's probably any other Russian power armored unit. Well, no, I think we're saying it is Crimson Dynamo. Because I think what Quentin is saying is that when we asked him, was it Anton Vanko? He said no because he had recently seen was recently reading something. He thought it was Anton Vanko Whiplash. So we would not be right with Whiplash, but it probably would be right with Crimson Dynamo. You wanna you wanna how many questions have we asked? I think you're at 17. So ask something. You, I think you know more about Crimson Dynamo. Ask something that would specifically give us to get us to Crimson well, Dynamo. I mean, I can ask something very specific if you want. Short of is it Crimson Dynamo? Oh, God, there's a lot of Crimson Dynamos. I didn't realize. There Are we just going to roll the dice and take Crimson Dynamo? Yeah, let's do it. Let's be bold, baby. Yeah. We're marauders. Is it Crimson Dynamo? It is Crimson Dynamo. <laughs> Featured yeah. because of the Russian, um, you know, kind of antagonist in the story in Red Power Armor. Dynamo is it? That's the question. Um, well, to be honest, I was thinking of the Antron Vanko one, but then I got confused because I forgot that, like, Mickey Rourke's character is Anton Vanko. And I was just like, wait, is he this? Apparently, there's an Anton Renko, no joke, who is Whiplash and one that's Crimson Dynamo, and they have no relation. Yep. Wait, they're not the same person. They're not the same person. <laughs> um, by the way, there are 12 Crimson Dynamos. Ooh, we could have burnt some questions. Well, yeah, he, he was recently featured in like a Russian super team. The Avengers have been doing this like different countries have different teams, and Atlantis has a team, and uh, Squadron Supreme, and so the Russian team, Crimson Dynamo, was featured in. Killing it! I like that we're coming out with another banger. Yeah. By man. the way, I'm I'm about to put on the notes the um picture. Oh, okay. I'll get that shared. There, right there, the original Crimson Dynamo. Anton, I'm, I'm cutting this out of the podcast. That's it. All right. Well, that just about wraps up our time today. Thank you so much for listening to be a part of this story. You can join our crew anytime. Make sure you write to us. Let us know what you think. Until next week, this has been Examination. Yarg. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the Examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N.blogspot.com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.